0: You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information,
1: visit us at circleofhope.net.
0: So it's the last week in our Eastertide season. Um, We've been telling stories, since Easter we've been telling stories um, in the Gospels that happened after Jesus died and ro- arose from the dead. There's just a handful of stories, and we've been pondering them. And tonight I want to I ponder with you the very last story in the book of John um, where Jesus comes to his disciples that are, are struggling. They're having a struggling moment, and he kind of helps them do what they're trying to do. And as I was thinking about it here before Father's Day, um, I came across like one of my favorite things on YouTube: um, this scene from the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, where uh, this this guy Derek Redmond was a runner in the 400. Um, his dad comes alongside him, kind of like Jesus does with the disciples in this in this story. So I want to play the clip for you. Mike is going to help us. Um, but what's, what's basically happening here is Derek is running, trying to run the 400, you know, lifelong dream. And he pulls his, his hamstring tears in the middle of the race, which is like one of the most intense, painful injuries that you can get. And his dad comes out of the stands and like fights, somehow gets through the security and runs out onto the track and, um, helps him finish the race. Even though, you know, his dad is saying, you can't hear it in this clip, but his dad is saying, Derek, you don't have to do this. Like you don't have to finish. And he's like, dad, I have to. And his dad says, well, then we're going to do it together. I'm going to cry right now. (laughs) Anyway, watch the clip. gets there and the 60 some thousand people give him a standing ovation but it makes me cry every time because I think we all need to know that when we get hurt when our dreams get shattered when we mess up when we fall down we need to know that somebody's going to be there like still believing in us and uh, guiding us home I was. I, I'm. I feel blessed to say that my dad has done that a couple times for me in my life. But even more so, we have a loving father like that. We have a loving Father God like that. Even if we did not, even if we do not have an earthly father like that, Jesus was here to demonstrate the love of the Father in His earthly ministry. He was. O- he was always saying that, and people didn't really know. What to think when he was saying it? But um, I love how Salvador Dali. I forgot my clicker, Katie. Could you? Thank you. Salvador Dali painted the the Last Supper, and he he has Jesus pointing upward to the arms of the Father. Thank you. I've always liked that because Jesus was always saying that um, that he was here on behalf of the Father who loved the world so much that he would come to give us new life. And I think Jesus was trying to tell us that this life starts right now. And so the, the eternal life starts right now. And so this moment at the end of his ministry, um, I think really demonstrates that. He's trying to meet his, his guys, his people in this um, moment of struggle. And let them know that there's more, than, there's more than just their failure or exhaustion. That miracle is possible and that they can rely on him. So I want to read the, the story with you. Um, does anybody feel up to reading it out loud for all of us?
1: Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, and Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. That night they caught nothing. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There was fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, read some of the fish you have just caught so Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore it was full of large fish hundred and fifty three but even with so many the net was not torn Jesus said to them come and have breakfast none of the disciples dared ask him who are you they knew it was the Lord Jesus came took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared with his disciples after he was raised from the dead.
0: Thanks, Helen. Thank you. There's lots of great moments in that story, like Peter jumping right into the water. I love that. Um, but it's a story of about a miracle. It's wonderful but I want to point out tonight that it happens after this moment of great discouragement. Like these guys are up all night, unsuccessfully trying to do what they've been trained to do. They know about fishing and they're up all night with nothing to show, show for it. I think this picture, this painting kind of shows that discouraged vibe. Um, And it wasn't just the all-nighter. I think it was the uncertainty that they were all feeling about, like, what the heck they were going to do with their lives now that they weren't following Jesus around all day, like, in the same way, in the same physical way. They had gone back to fishing. um, But it isn't the sporty kind of recreational fishing that my son Zach, where is he? Is he in here? He's so good. He, he's so into fishing, you know, and it's fun to fish with him and just, like, chill out because our lives, our livelihood is not, like, dependent on it. But for these guys, you know, it was a, it, the pressure was on. Like, it was a matter of, like, subsisting. Like, they were catching food for the next day and to have a roof over their heads. And so to be up all night with nothing didn't feel good. And I think we all have struggles that feel a little hopeless or exhausting, like that. Um, like, like situations like how how is this going to change, and what you know, how bad off am I going to be if this doesn't change? It might be an addictive pattern in our lives, or some lonely secret, or just general loneliness financial insecurity, job stress, worry about the future, a chronic health problem, chronic discrimination, chronic fatigue, whatever it is, I think that most of us have things that could and do make us feel discouraged like that. Blink-182 wrote this song called Up All Night. And uh, Ben was laughing at me at the five because he knows I don't listen to pop punk. But this song got my attention because it, it actually gets to the real questions of value and purpose and belonging um, in that kind of discouragement. You know, like, like a, a, just a simple situation like that, I think, can bring up the, the real questions. And the, um, the song is about, you know, people letting you down even friends lying and cheating, life being an exhausting game. But the chorus goes, do you want me here? Do you want me here as I struggle through each and every year? And I think that a lot of people are, like, asking that question in one way or another. Where do I belong? Am I ever going to get better? How do I make this work, like the life that I've been given? How do I really make it work? And Jesus comes along, you know, in a moment like this, and he just has this simple suggestion, um, this small practical suggestion that they should throw their nets on the other side of the lake, on the other side of the boat. And I, I think, um, oh, there's up all night. I think the, the question in that, or the, the command from from this stranger on the shore must have been kind of annoying in that moment because um it must have sounded ridiculous. Like the boat's not that big, the water is the same underneath, you know, it's not that far from one side to the next. What is it really gonna is it really gonna make a difference if I throw my net on the other side? And by the way, Jesus, I already tried that like 200 times, like all night long. I'm sure they were throwing the net on different sides of the boat. And so because this seems like too small of a change to like change anything or, or too obvious of an answer to be an answer, throw your net on the other side. The only thing that the the thing that was really hitting me from this story this week was was simply that we are called to listen to God. We are called to actually listen to the Spirit and to obey, to do what Jesus is actually saying we should do. I know that probably sounds like Sunday school. Um, and obedience is such a trigger word for some of us, you know, because nobody should be able to tell us what to do, right? We are Americans, and we can do what we want, um, and we are free, but the message of this story seems to say that Jesus has the best in mind for these people that he loves, and um, their obedience to his idea was like, oh, there he is on the side, of, telling them what to do. Their obedience to his idea was like really fruitful. It was miraculously fruitful that they just did what he said. And I think it's I think it's worth talking about because we often beat our heads against the proverbial wall. I think just trying to make things work our way, right? <laughs> Each of us are vulnerable, I think, to particular ways of rebellion against God, which is really like rebellions, rebellion against our true selves. We're prone, we're prone to certain ways of thinking and, and being sometimes based on our wounding, but we often are just stuck there. We keep trying until it gets too painful or we have a crisis, um, or some, Beloved person says, "Hey, try it. Try it this other way." And so, I want to, I want to offer today some hope that that the thing to try, in obedience to God, the thing you think that God might be telling you to do, even if it seems too small or too obvious, um, or too like insulting or unappealing. <laughs> It could actually work in some unimaginable ways if we trust God with it. You know, I, I like that Jesus didn't say, just quit. You know, you guys suck at this. Just bring your net in. You're done for the day. He said, try try something else. Try it a different way. And I think there's something to that, that Jesus is always always calling us into like it doesn't matter what happened 2 minutes ago or 2 months ago or 2 years ago in your life i'm calling you into the future i'm call- i'm making a way for you to move into the future and you don't know what's going to happen but listen to me we don't always talk in the language of of just listen to god and obey him because often that's a that's a a mysterious Kind of communally discerned process, right? We don't always know, you know, exactly. It would be nice if Jesus would always say it so clearly and concisely, right? And something would be written in the sky. Um, but that's not always how it is. And, uh, especially as a church, we, we have to listen to God together a lot for a long time every year to like make our plan for the next year. So. We're in that season right now of listening, and tomorrow we're going to have a potluck meal here to look at all the discernment from the cells and to discern together with the leadership team like wh- what themes are coming out about what God wants us to do. So that's, that's important in community. Um, but often I wonder... If you're anything like me, I often know what God is, trying, is, is calling me to do in some sense. Like, we kind of know what's right and what's not, right? And, and often I think that's the Holy Spirit in us, like nudging us toward healing and toward the healing of the world. And so if you feel something like that, pay attention to it. Don't shove it away. I think we live in a culture of of likes and high fives and like um you know thumbs up I guess that's the like symbol on Facebook where everybody's just kind of like you know high-fiving to their preference and um that's nice but Jesus what Jesus is doing is so much bigger than that there's there's something else going on here and he's I think he's calling us to a lot more. He's, he's, he actually is, like, asking us for our whole, our whole selves, our whole lives. And so when I read this again this week, I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'm making this sound too easy sometimes. Like, so I don't want to mislead you. Like, following Jesus is, often feels more like um, repentance than forgiveness. It feels more like surrender than salvation sometimes. It feels more like brokenness than happiness sometimes. More like dying or losing than living or gaining. Sometimes it feels really counterintuitive to not do the easy, comfortable thing that, that, um, Feeds our ego or keeps us stuck in that same like wounding that we're so used to, but I, I I think the disciples are learning this might be what Jesus is suggesting. He might be calling out of calling us out of that to this miraculously full net of fish, this this abundance that these guys never dreamed. You know, 153 large fish weren't weren't supposed to even fit in that net. They didn't even have a net that was big enough for this kind of catch. They probably didn't even think it existed, like, in this lake. And then it happened. I also heard the story this week of this weak and sickly guy who... Um, couldn't afford to go to the doctor. And he lived um, in this house that, that had like a big like boulder in front of it. And um, he felt like he had this vision from God that he should like try and push this rock to move it. And so he went out there every day and he would try to move the rock um, until he got tired and he did that for a couple months and he thought he finally thought he should like measure his progress Um, and so he measured the distance you know between the rock and his house and then he tried it a couple more weeks and then he went back and realized like the rock didn't move like at all. And he got really discouraged because he 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 thought, Hey, I you know, did God mislead me? I thought I was supposed to move this rock and um it ha it hasn't even budged. And he felt like Jesus like sat down with him on his porch and um asked him how he was doing, and he said, You know how weak and sick I am, God. And you told me to push this rock, and I did, and it hasn't even budged. And Jesus said, I never told you it was your job to move the rock. You know, go look in the mirror and tell me how you feel. And when the guy looked in the mirror, he realized he was much stronger than he used to be, and he felt better. He hadn't been, like, coughing all night for a long time. And he realized that the plan of God was not, the intention of God was not to change the position of the rock. It was to strengthen him. God's plan wasn't for the rock. It was for him and his healing. I think we have a good father God like that. He is a good father who wants our healing and an abundant life for us and uh, wants us to be in this, like, flow of miracle. And probably one of my favorite um, images in this story is the last part where Jesus makes breakfast. Just in closing here, he makes breakfast for the disciples um, on shore. He's got the, he's got the bread cooking and the fish already going. Um, this is a Tissot painting, but I think he had breakfast for them simply because he knew they were tired out from their efforts. He knew them. He knew they were up all night. They needed some sustenance. They needed some care. They needed to know that, like, God knew them and God cared and was, like, going to provide for them no matter what. God knows what we need. And I think we discover that by listening and and especially by obeying. We We get to the abundance. God knows what we need because God knows us, like, intimately. And I'm always reminded of... Of this, um, even like from the very beginning of the Bible, the word, um, the most common word for human, for for intimacy in the Bible is yada. And um, it's used right away for like how Adam and Eve knew each other, you know, even talking about sexual expression. And so they knew each other intimately like that, yada. And then... Interestingly, that is the same word that is used all throughout the Old Testament for how God is relating to his people. He wants to be known intimately as he knows them. Yada. And while that might sound weird, I hope it is comforting to you that the Holy Spirit actually wants to lead and guide us and and fill us like that. Yada. Like lovers look out for one another and want the best for each other. So I think if you if you feel that nudge about if if God want is calling you to do something as you go throughout your day, big or little, it's because God knows you so well. It's not it's not coming from, like, an imposition, like, to make your life miserable. It is because God knows us, and we can probably trust him to keep working miracles in our lives and coming alongside us like that like that father with um, his son in the race, especially when things don't work out like we planned. I think God wants us to know that he's got us covered that he's gonna see us through and bring us home so let me pray for us and then we'll we'll talk back Jesus thank you for the, the reminder to your disciples that you care that you want to provide for us, um, I pray that we could hear your voice, um, that you would help us not to be distracted, and I thank you for the reminder that, um, sometimes, like, the fish are right there, like, they weren't on the other side of the lake, they were right there, um, where the disciples were, and I pray that, um, you could give us that hope and that assurance Um, and that when we come to the end of ourselves that it might be a new beginning certainly is the beginning of you and a new opportunity to let you provide for us so help us to trust you this week in jesus name amen thanks for listening to circle of hopes sunday meeting podcast if you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our connect dropdown at circleofhope.net.